This morning is a big one for our church, um, and I'm just going to grab my clicker, which I think, oh, here we go, thank you. Um, this is, a, this is a fairly big morning for us, and, uh, and I'm, I'm so, so grateful that uh, for those of you that had to kind of wrestle or um, kind of to get here, I'm grateful that you've made the effort. I, I hope that this morning is encouraging for you. The two big themes of uh, this morning, uh, what does it look like for us to have a deeper commitment to unity and to keep our focus on mission? Uh, but also, uh, there's ways that the church can navigate that are just kind of in the natural what we're asking for is supernatural unity. What we're asking for is miraculous uh, faith in the mission that God's called us to. Um, and it's been a really crazy time. This is a big Sunday for us in terms of some of the things that we want to announce. But before we dive into some of that stuff, I am going to frame up biblically, I think, what we're navigating once more. I promised last week it was my last talk on COVID. I'm not talking about COVID and all that's happening so much. But I do want to frame up why we've made the decisions that we've made in terms of the church going forward this morning in a biblical way. Before I do that, though, I want to just say how proud I am of this community. Um, we've done really well. Uh, I appreciate everyone that's engaged in the survey we sent out. I appreciate every single person that's reached out to me sharing their perspective or asking questions about mine. That shows real maturity. That shows real maturity. What we don't want in the church is what we call pretend agreements, where we nod, but inside we're like, no. No. I'd rather genuine agreement or genuine disagreement. We can navigate that, but we can't navigate the weird vibes of pretend agreements. So I really, really appreciate that. I appreciate all the encouragement that you've fired my way uh, and to our family. I appreciate all the people that have been praying for me, for our family, uh, for our leadership team and our board. I really deeply appreciate that. It's made a huge difference. And I'm very grateful to the engine room of our church, our uh, weekly prayer meeting on Sunday nights. I think that um, we're going to move forward uh, in a beautiful way this morning because of the prayers of the saints. I'm very grateful. I give credit to the prayers of the saints to lead us to a point of such maturity as a church. I'm actually really filled with vision this morning, and I'm going to share something of, something of that. Uh, and the two priorities that have really settled in our hearts as we've kind of gone, like, how do we do this, has been this whole thing of unity and mission. What does it look like for us to be a church that walks in unity and that walks forward in mission? When it comes to um, unity, it's very formed to have a secular vision of unity, which is basically, if we agree about stuff, we can hang out together. That's, that's not the unity that Jesus was after. There's nothing miraculous about that unity. If you're into the things of Greenpeace and you hang out with a whole bunch of Greenpeace people, you're going to start looking like a Greenpeace person, and you're at all the values of the Greenpeace person, and then if you don't kind of fit there anymore, like many Christians probably wouldn't, not because we don't love the environment, but because of a bunch of other stuff as well, then it's like you're not welcome in that tribe. That's not the church. Jesus prayed some prayers around unity. Jesus, I've mentioned this before, his longest prayer was for unity. Uh, this is Jesus' my prayer. He says, My prayer is not for them alone, speaking to directly about his disciples in front of him. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. That's unity. That's huge. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So there's a witness to the world because of the unity that Jesus is longing for and praying for in the church here. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me. So the very presence of God that we're feeling this morning is unbelievable. Like he's chosen to unite himself with us. Look down the road. Can you see the mess that he's prepared to deal with and hang out with and he seems quite comfortable with? It's unreal. He's very committed to unity. 
Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. There's something about the witness of unity that God is doing in our church right now, many churches around the place, that is truly beautiful. Uh, Romans 14. Uh, now, Romans 14, I'm gonna, the message version is brilliant, but it follows Romans 12, lay down your life. It follows Romans 13, you've got to work out how you live under authority, governmental authority. And then Romans 14, it's all hinged on the therefore we live as living sacrifices. That's the kind of context. And then this has been a challenging scripture for us, but again, I'm proud of how we've lent into this. Welcome with open arms, fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. That hasn't been tested in the Western church for decades. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with, even when it seems that they are strong in opinions but weak in the faith department. Everyone thinks that they're on the right side of the ledger, just so you know on that one as well. Remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. What God has been doing to knit us together has been absolutely incredible. We are not letting culture set the vision for unity, our wider culture. We have been leaning into the scriptures and saying we want the scriptures to set our vision for what unity looks like. And I've asked this morning a friend of mine, Natasha, to come up and share her journey in regards to this. Me and Natasha see a whole bunch of things quite differently right now. But we are brothers and sisters in Christ, love each other deeply, committed to the purposes of the church, and I think that looks like a miraculous sort of unity to me. So I'm going to invite Natasha to come up and to share a little testimony. Good morning, everybody. I um, have to warn you, I'll probably cry. It's not because I'm sad, it's just because I always cry. (laughs) Um, So we've been um, coming to Bay Vineyard um, this year, since about May. Um, and we moved from Tauranga. So some of you um, well, I have met before and some of you I haven't met. Anyway, um, so I'm, I've just written a few notes. So if it looks like I'm reading, I am. So, um, yeah, just um, go with it. Um, so my family and I um, have always been really strong believers in bodily autonomy and freedom of choice. Um, and that, that isn't um, just from this year. It's since forever. Um, and so with what's going on politically... We, um, over the last while, have had... Oh, now I'm going to cry. It's all right. It's all right. Just go with it. Oh, thanks. Um, we've had, as I'm sure many others have, um, feelings of distress, insecurity, isolation, shame, and then some defiance sometimes, sadness, grief, and a sense of loss. Um, and we're all just swept along in the uncontrollable current of global events and the threat um, of the loss of our deeply held values. <laughs> A long time. Um, And so we're also um, seeing the divisive narrative box people into reductionist categories and feeling that effect really deeply. Um, I'll pull myself together. Um, And then things like watching my friends and family losing their income and their livelihoods um, when they're willing and able to work has been tricky. Um, And we just felt really lost and scared for, for a while. Um, and when that happens, we find that um, we are building walls in our heart um, and isolating ourselves to increase our feelings of safety and security. Um, then, um, then last Sunday, um, the sermon happened <laughs> and um, the walls broke. Um, some of you will, um, will have seen me um, hanging on... Um, Sam's neck, uh, uh, doing the ugly cry. 
um, it was very embarrassing, but I couldn't, I couldn't, I just couldn't stand anymore. Um, it was such a relief to realize um, that we are safe and that we are loved um, and that we have community and that we have brothers and sisters in Christ um, across all, all sectors of the spectrum. Um, and people love us regardless of what our, um, you know, opinions are. Um, and I, I don't say lightly that God speaks to me because I feel like it's a sacred thing. Um, but last week, God really did um, speak to Michael and I. God spoke to us and spurned us into action. Um, we as humans are so much more than a choice about what goes into our bodies or not. Um, we are souls with a spirit and a heart. Um, we are a being made in the magnificent image of our creator. And, sorry, we are, we are mothers, brothers, uncles, aunts, grandparents, some are creative, some are amazing musicians, some love nana naps like me. <laughs> um, and God really urged us to trust him um, and to trust the church family he has placed us in. Um, of course, we considered leaving and finding a church where our strong beliefs about bodily autonomy are shared. Um, but God was very clear. Um, I have placed you here and you give 100% here. <laughs> and... Um, I just really felt that God loves this church. It is a beautiful expression of his godly love, acceptance, and community. And I say again, God's word to us was very clear. Stay and give 100% wherever it is needed. So no more hiding or judging impossible decisions or worrying whether we're safe at church. We know that we are. Um, we know we are loved 100%. And now it's our turn to show the love and support in super practical ways. Um, unity and love is most important, centered on Christ alone. Um, in the last week, since my uh, ugly cry, uh, we, we, um, we've had uh, so many offers of friendship, and we have before as well, but it's just become much more visible. Um, offers of friendship, practical help, play dates, people looking after our dogs when we go away. Um, it's been great. Um, and it comes from the leadership of Sam and Jen and the rest of the team. So I really just want to encourage everyone to help out, to lower your walls, to love deeply and allow love into your scared places. Um, it, is, it is a safe and healing thing to do. Um, and if God has placed you here, then serve here and do it with godly joy. We are a diverse, um, we are very diverse, um, but that is how a body works. Thanks. That took real courage. Thank you, Natasha. It means the world to me because I want, I'm having a lot of these sort of moments and I've wanted our church to see what's happening. This is beautiful. This is supernatural. This is what God does. And one of the songs that I, I even entertained seeing if Matt could play it, but it's, it's quite, an, it was a lot of memories from the Anglican days. No disrespect, Dad. But um, a lot of Anglicans warbling away together singing this. But this song was bouncing around in my head this week. 
And I just feel like this is the, one of the prayers for, for this time. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. But then the verses, like there is only one God. There is only one king. There is only one body. That is why we sing. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together. We are the family of God. We are his promise divine. We are his chosen desire. We are his glorious new wine. So bind us together, Lord. So bind us together. So the Lord's been doing this in us. He's been teaching us what it looks like uh, to walk in unity together. And again, the decisions that we're making today around how this is gonna look have that front and center for us. What does it look like to walk together in unity uh, together? And at the same time, as I've shared before, at this point, I don't think a threshold has been crossed in terms of civil disobedience for us as a church. Uh, I think there's ways that we can smartly navigate this that um, are subversive, which is the way of the kingdom. Uh, the second thing's mission. Um, there's an interesting... Um, Here's, here's been a little bit of my concern through this, and I'm feeling very stirred up today, uh, feeling this fresh confidence around mission. Because one of the things I think the enemy would love is for the church to just stop talking about mission and talk about all the other stuff that we can talk about all day long around the water cooler. And I'm partly, I'll, I just want to flag to our church, hey, let's make sure we keep this on the table in conversations amongst our leadership, amongst our home churches. Like this is, we've got to keep mission. Every, like there's a point where if you keep talking about the stuff, those are all, that's all time you've spent not talking about what God's called us to do and be. There's a huge, like there is an appropriate amount of engagement for a follower of Jesus. And then there's a threshold I think that gets crossed where it's like, hey, no, this is turning into something else now. No, we want to keep mission front and center. There's an interesting passage, though, that around mission. There's so much, there's, oh, man, I've had to really work hard to keep the sermon tight. We're just going to focus on this one instance. For Paul, who just lived a life of sacrificial mission, and I'm calling our church this morning to a new place of sacrifice for the sake of mission. And you'll understand why in a second. Hold on to some, something or someone. Here's, let's have a look at this little moment. So Paul, they went to Phygia, Phygia, and then on through the province of Galatia, their plan was to turn west into the Asia province, but the Holy Spirit blocked that route. And so they went to Mysia and tried to go north to Bithynia or whatever. But the Spirit of Jesus would not let them go there either. Twice, the Spirit of God. Is... Proceeding on through Mysia, they went down to the seaport of uh, Troas. That night, Paul had a dream. A Macedonian stood on the far shore and called across the sea, come over to Macedonia and help us. The dream gave Paul his map, and he went to work at once, getting things ready to cross over to Macedonia. All the pieces had come together. We knew now for sure that God had called us to preach the good news to the Europeans. Now, what's happening uh, for Paul is that he spent most of his missionary life working in the Asia. And this, he's like, this is where I'm called. I just want to keep going to Asia. And then things get blocked for Paul, and it's like he has the wisdom and the discernment to read that God is stopping him doing some stuff. And so, and so that's pretty good of old Paul. And so then he begins, uh, there's this little place in what's modern-day Turkey. There's this little space there of 750 meters, and across that boundary is a whole new world. And so Paul gets this dream of this Macedonian guy who's in the equivalent of Turkey saying, come over, come over to us. And so Paul is like, oh, that's where I'm called to go. And so he goes into what's modern-day Europe and, uh, and completely changes the world. Uh, for 1,600 years, the home of Christianity was Europe because people were prepared to step into a new, unfamiliar world. This is what God does. 
And, and in this dream, like for Paul, there's this person that hasn't heard the good news of Jesus saying, come over and help us. And Isaiah's commission, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, who had reigned for 59 years, that's a massive disruption to, to a nation. What does God do? He commissions him and calls him to go in a time of disruption with a fresh calling to mission. John Tyson summed up beautifully this week about how beautiful uh, God is. He says this, I cannot put into words, this is our tweet, I cannot put into words how deeply satisfying life with Christ actually is. The vision of being united with him in love, having a sense of purpose and meaning, a kingdom to prioritize, a way to forgive, to free me from bitterness, a lens of reality with which to view the world. I mean, you could just keep going and going and going about how good God is. And the invitation we have is not to be stingy with the gift of the good news of the gospel, but to boldly advance and to go, hey, we're going to move forward as a community. And you know what that will require of us? It will require of us a, a, um, a willingness to be uncomfortable. Now, we love being comfortable. Don't we? I mean, oh, I love being comfortable. I'm all like, last Christmas, I got a deck chair that's especially comfortable, and I've been sitting in it a lot recently because I'm like, I like comfort. I like, and I like being comfortable. But mission requires us to be willing to get a bit uncomfortable. And so, again, the decisions that we've made today are framed up around unity and mission. And what we're calling us to will require us to be a bit uncomfortable. But to be honest, you know, this is real disclosure into the mind of a pastor, right? So here we go. This is, this is what the other pastors don't normally share. But you know what? I get all in a bit of a tizz around people I think might not like, like what I'm going to say. And I'm like, you want to stay comfortable? This is me mentally preaching, you know, to not an actual person, just a figurative. So just so you know, who are you thinking of? And I'm like, you don't, you don't want to be comfortable? It wasn't comfortable for our family to move to the Bay. It wasn't comfortable to sell everything and move here and live in there. It wasn't comfortable to make new friendships. It wasn't comfortable for Jen to leave the friendship that she had and all of our babies got born all together and all very close. It wasn't comfortable to move like here. It wasn't comfortable for Charlotte, who likes comfort and likes things quite structured, to have to live. It wasn't comfortable. And you guys don't want to, oh, okay, well, you know. Anyway, so, mm. that was not in the notes. Because actually there's a battle going on right now and walking into battle isn't comfortable. It's interesting that uh, in 1 Samuel we read the story of a battle going on between the Philistines and Israel and Saul is disengaged and he's caring about himself. You can read about this in 1 Samuel chapter 14. And Jonathan, though, is like, no, we're going into the battle. We're outnumbered. This seems crazy, but we're charging into the battle. Uh, this, it, look, it looked like this. That's John, this is John Afoa. Can we turn up the audio? <laughs> Listen to him. That is the best clip. That's what Jonathan did when it came to the battle. And that's what I'm calling us to do today as a church community. <laughs> Into the battle we go. And it's like, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. But what's so beautiful is that when you start moving into this, what is what happened? 1 Samuel 14, verse 21. Those Hebrews who had previously been with the Philistines and had gone up with them to their camp went over to the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. A whole lot of people got on board with the mission that God had called the nation to uh, with this dream that this is where the power is to, for, for lives to be transformed. And then in 1 14, Samuel 14, 22, uh, a little one verse later, when all the Israelites who had hidden in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were on the run, they joined the battle in hot pursuit. 
People that were maybe too afraid or reluctant uh, or thought they weren't up for it were like, no, nah, we're going to go in. And what I'm praying is that all the pressure of this cultural moment will cause our church to rise up and people that have been perhaps a bit afraid or a bit disengaged or whatever will be like, no, nah, I'm back in again, man. Ah, I'm back in. I'm charging back onto the battle place. I'm going to talk on details in a second. Steve Graham spoke at our camp this year? Okay. Five years ago, it felt like. But beginning of this year, we actually had a church camp, and it was awesome of Easter. And as Steve Cram was walking around our camp, um, a piwaka waka or a fantail just began to just to kind of like just be all around him. And uh, and he was sort of like felt the Lord, like the Lord was speaking to him through that. Now, if you remember at our camp, at our very last service, a, a piwaka waka or a fantail came into the service and just distracted everyone for a whole lot of time. And like, you know, everyone was smelling and there was, it felt like the plagues actually. Everyone was smelling, there were flies everywhere. It was just like, everyone was like, grotty, had a, a whole five sensory overload thing going on. And it's like, and yet, and one of the prophetic guys that had come up from Christchurch was like, you know, this is a prophetic picture. Because the interesting thing with the piwaka waka, now there's some Māori stuff around, um, around death and stuff that, that we'll just park and leave to the side if you don't mind for the sake of this illustration. But the interesting thing, so Steve Graham starts looking into it and he's like, the, this is the one bird, so most birds will fly away as soon as a person comes by because they're seen as a threat. The one bird is the fantail, it's the only bird that flies towards the threat because it sees opportunity. You could stir up insects. And so they are there for the opportunities. They have this confidence in its own agility to be able to pivot and move around to avoid the threat yet while grabbing the opportunities. And so um, this, is, uh, this is the from the Department of Conservation. It's a, one of the few native bird species in New Zealand that has been able to adapt to an environment greatly altered by humans. And this is where I feel like uh, what the Lord is doing, I just was remembering that talk, and like the church is called to be, have the, uh, almost the sense, the, the kind of spirit of the fantail or the piwaka waka, where it's like there's all this stuff going on, but we're going to move towards, uh, there's actually opportunity here for us as a church. So let's, everyone's like, oh, shut up and tell us what's going on, okay? <laughs> Amen. Is there a lot of like, there's a lot of preamble here, bro. Just tell us what we're doing next Sunday. Okay, so here's, firstly, if you didn't hate traffic lights before this moment, oh, sweet mercy, you really have got a bad mental association with them now, right? So here's what we're going to do. Our filter has been uh, to make decisions orientated around unity and mission of Unpack That. I want to say that as we head into next year, we are a church that's going to err on the side of caution. I understand that people have different perspectives on, on all of this stuff, but I would far rather be wrong by being overcautious than be wrong because I wasn't. I was a bit relaxed about it, whatever. And I could be wrong on the whole thing, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to go into that. But we may pivot online from time to time, even if the government says we don't have to. I'm, I'm just, I've, that's, I'm, whatever. That's going to be there. Um, and I want to say this around the whole government thing. With a Christian worldview, there's always legitimate concerns around government overreach. And the reason many Christians have this is because we have a theology of good but fallen for any person or institution. Like we understand what it means that actually deep down there's good because that's where it starts in Genesis 1. The fall isn't where it starts, it's good but fallen. So we get that. So just from our leadership perspective, in the short term, which is probably 9 to 12 months, we're going to comply with the overall public well-being and the government requests and stuff, but we will monitor with some concern the measures that uh, reduce freedom and in the medium term, 23 maybe, I'm not sure we're going to keep our eyes on the whole thing, we want to see society open up 
And so we're going to keep those conversations going around discernment. We're not just like, we're absolutely trying to keep an eye on this thing. And there may be an appropriate point in consultation with many other pastors and leaders. We're like, no, we need to, there's, there's a line that's starting to get crossed here or whatever, okay? So, we're, so this is just unfolding, but this is where we're at today. This is, we're gonna, so here's the actual plan. We're going to start two services. We're going to have two morning services. We're going to have a 9 o'clock service and an 11 o'clock service. The nine, now, I'm going to give you the details, and then I'm going to unpack a little bit more around this. The 9 o'clock service will be a certificate service, um, and we're trying to serve our whole community here. Uh, because there's a large, large enough number of people in our church that want to have an environment that's super safe, and we want to serve them. There's also people who have had the vaccine who don't really care, who are quite relaxed, but 9 o'clock would be a good time for them because their baby needs to go down at 11.30 for a nap or whatever, right? So this isn't, we're, we're working very hard here not to divide people up. We're just saying, and the second thing will be an open service. And again, there's a large enough number of people in our church who are vaccinated but who just do not care, who are quite happy, like half our church, oh, I don't mind hanging a vaccinated, whatever. So I want to take off the table the whole thing for us of this is a vaccinated service and unvaccinated. No, this is a super safe service. We want to honor people that want that environment. There's an open, more general service for people that feel quite relaxed about that. Is that all good? Does that make sense? So we're not trying to, that, that's not how we're going to see the world. But here's the big thing is that um, we have actually felt the Lord's begin speaking to us about having two services before COVID hit. We've got minutes and meetings from before COVID hit of saying, you know what, we want to actually open things up a whole lot more. We are reaching a, a level of numbers that mean that if you turn up to a room at Bay Vineyard on a service, it feels like we don't really have room for you because we're quite full, thank you very much. And so we don't want that message to be out there for the We want to have room for people. We want to have space for people. And the reality is that uh, our hearts are be burning for mission. <laughs> and again, uh, here's what I'm calling us to is, is a bit of an uncomfortable move to two services that was probably going to happen anyway, but we've just had to move it a little bit quicker than we would like, and the runway's a little shorter than I would have liked around preaching to some of the vision and why we want to do this and building teams and all the rest of it. But our heart is that we'll do this. Now, the reason that we don't like this is that we like walking into a room where we kind of could recognize most people. And the, we've, moved, we've done this journey before in our church, in Christchurch, where we moved from one service to two services, from a 10, whatever it was, to a 9 and 11. For no other reason than we just were like, we need to make space for people. We need to make space for lost people. We need to make space for people to encounter the beauty of this community. And, uh, and, the, the, and it was actually, if we nailed down to why people felt uncomfortable, it was actually just selfish reasons. They, didn't, they just liked this. You don't know everyone here. There's absolutely no way you know like your besties. It's impossible for you to be best. This is a crowd. And within this crowd, you have a tribe. But this is a congregation. And in many churches, it's made up of multiple congregations. That's very, very normal. The uncomfortable thing is that for a season, we're going to have to get used to this new setup. Uh, and it will just feel a little bit weird. And then we'll get used to it. It'll be the new normal. My dad uh, was the vicar of a church, St. Luke's Waikanae Anglican Church, and uh, he had how many services at your peak? Six services, six different congregations happening on a Sunday. So this isn't just the Pentecostals that have, this, you know, Anglicans as well, even the Anglicans occasionally. <laughs> and I love, but I love the language of the Anglican system of like, we are a parish made up of congregations. We're, we're a parish made up of different congregations. Uh, in our church in Christchurch, it grew from the time that we were there from about three or four uh, services to 10 congregations meeting in five different parts of the city. 
And so thousands of people go to our church in Christchurch, but the average congregation is this size. How beautiful is that? It doesn't feel like a mega church, I can promise you that. It feels like family. And it feels like family because every person's like, I want to relationally lean in. Because again, one of the things the Lord's healing our church of is the consumption of church rather rather than contributing to church because this is the body of Christ, this is the church family. So we're not here to entertain you. We're here to encounter the sacred, as we say every morning. We're not a community because of me and Jen do stuff. We're a community because you choose to hang out with people in our church. We're a community because home church leaders open up their homes and welcome them in and build discipleship culture. That's what it looks like. So we're gonna, So you know what my prayer is? That when the COVID traffic light thing ends, and literally it could end in three weeks. I don't know, man. Things are changing all the time, right? I'm like, hey, we're just... This week, this is what we're doing, and we're just, again, like the fantail piwaka waka. We're just getting agile and flexible and being able to pivot and work out where the opportunities are. So there's a missional opportunity for us to do what we've actually felt God had called us to do in our hearts for a long time. Here's what I think it's going to look like when the traffic light service ends. That's the only difference. That's what I think. Now, I don't know. Now, here's what we will do. At the end of the traffic light system, whenever that is and whatever, they're like, yeah, sure, we should probably get together and have a big party together. That'd be cool. But we're not, gonna, we're not here for our comfort. We're here for the mission of God. So we're going to keep moving forward. And if you, don't, if you want a church that's going to stay comfortable, I'm sorry. This is just one moment of many where, as your pastor, I'm going to call you into uncomfortable places for the sake of the kingdom of God. I want us to plant churches. I want us to send people. I want us to raise up leaders, blah, 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 blah. Does that make sense? So that's what, uh, that's what I want to call us to this morning. And what that's going to require of us is I need you to help out. (laughs) We're like, nine o'clock means the packings are quite early. But so I need some people helping out that are going to commit to the nine o'clock to help us get the stuff packed in. But then that team isn't expected to hang around to the end of the 11. Whoever chooses to serve or become 11, their tribe or whatever, I'm going to need people to help pack out at the end of the 11. So we're going to need two teams there. Uh, We're going to need stuff for kids. We're going to need stuff for all the stuff. I'm like, this is the time for us again. So I'm in. Uh, the spirit that Natasha and Michael have got, like, yeah, man, we're in. We're going to help serve. We're going to see this place flourish. We're going to be held together in supernatural unity, baby. Oh, here we go. Come on. Because the, the deeper question, uh, and, and honestly, if I get super honest this morning, the vibe I've been getting some, from some people is if you put one foot wrong, we're out of here, mate. And I'm just like, oh, man. Like, we're doing our best here, guys, and I think this is actually, this isn't about, this is about mission and unity. And I like the idea that we walk out of here going, yeah, we're mission and unity, man. Because the deeper question, Deuteronomy 8, like God is revealing the stuff in our heart. Here's the big, deep question we have to answer this morning. And I'm going to list a whole bunch of things you need to just go, is this me or not? Do you really believe that God is who he says he is? Do you believe that he came and dwelt among us? We're going to actually start Advent next week. That's my Advent line. Do you... (laughs) Do you believe that he shamed the principalities and and broke the power of sin and defeated death on the cross and now rose again and reigns as king of all? Do you believe that the kingdom of God is how the world gets turned upside down, how it's healed, and how you sit in the Sermon on the Mount will grow into be a kingdom person more and more and more? Come on. Do you believe the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the church so that we have God's power and His presence in our midst? And listen, do you believe that the church is the body of Christ, the hope of the world? Because if that's the case, if that's the case, 
giving and serving and all, is not an issue. If, that, if you truly believe that, then it's like, oh man, I'm in. You know, on a whole lot of levels. Because we said in the creeds, the, the Apostles' Creed this morning, I don't just believe in God the Trinity, I believe in the Holy Church. I believe in it. I have my faith in it. And it's like, I don't have my faith in the Labour Party, National Party, Act Party, any party you want to pick. My faith and my hope is in the kingdom of God breaking in to, on earth as it is in heaven. This isn't even the, the tricky bit yet. This is, the, this is literally the easy bit. That's easy, okay? So we're going to do that for the next three Sundays. And honestly, I'm so committed to this church. If it requires me packing in, doing worship, preaching, and then running out to do something for the kids, I will do it till Christmas. Then we'll see, okay? <laughs> three Sundays left of the year. Good break over January. We gather together in the new year. But wait, there's more. Doors keep closing for us to move into a school in a semi-permanent way. Just constantly. Napier Boys High School isn't available for who knows how long. St. Patrick's isn't a long-term option for us because we're kind of in here sneakily because we aren't Catholic. I love the principal here. <laughs> Napier Intermediate School doesn't want long-term users. Uh, it's complicated with William Colenso. There's just... And so we've literally had Sundays where we can't gather, we've done picnics and that sort of thing, not out of our choice, but because of other people's choices. There's a vulnerability that we constantly go through. Um, and so in a similar way to Paul, where it's like, oh, I just, I've, I've always thought this is where we need a school, it's cheap, we can do it, we can pack in and out. And the doors just keep closing. I think we're not meant to go to Asia, I think we're meant to go to Europe. It's, I think it's time for our own building. And this seems like the coolest Sunday to announce that. All over the country, it's all, what's going to happen? And we're like, we're moving in faith to two services and we're moving in faith. And tonight we're announcing we're going to get our own building. We're going to, we've got to move into our own building, all right? So let me unpack where we're at. As part of due diligence, because we've just, we've known at some point this is going to be happening, we're constantly visiting different buildings just to get a feel for what the cost to lease or whatever. You know, we're just trying to, uh, get through all that sort of stuff. And, uh, and so we went through um, the Repco building this week with uh, some of our team, uh, Paul, who's an architect, um, Steve, our church manager, Charlotte, our children's and families pastor. And I'm not sure if this is the one, but let me illustrate, using this as an example, what it would need to look like for us as a church community. Um, and again, this may have been leased today for all I know. So I don't, I mean, literally don't get to put your legs on this basket, but this is a good, um, well, I want your discernment through this. And we are seriously looking at it. Um, but, uh, but the question is, Lord, um, are you calling us to this? This is the question I'm posing to us all this morning. I think he is. But the money thing and all the rest of it isn't the first question. The first question is, God, is this you? Does that make sense? It's not about money. I'm going to talk about money in a second around how this could look, but that's not the first thing. The first thing is collectively, there's no, a, 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 yes, Lord, this is the time. And so um, what could it look like for us to... Uh, <laughs> there's a bit of name it, claim it going on maybe this morning, but... I'm tired of our church being under a little under a little bowl. 
where you know about Bay Vineyard, if you've, looked, you've stumbled across us online, online miraculously through some of our social pipes or something, or you've driven past a location for a couple of hours on a Sunday and just seen some, ba- like, I'm, I'm like, it's time we, we were actually sitting on a hill. Like, I feel like that's actually a big part of what we're calling us to be. And in that Manawa order email, uh, thing that I've sent out, which I do want you to, we are doing stuff that's kind of hemmed in because of the lack of building. Like, buildings are just a tool for mission. That's all it is. It's a tool. And it's, uh, I'll speak a bit more in that scene. But like right now, we've got stuff happening. All of a sudden, it feels like, oh man, we're limited because we have to use these other spaces and there's a bunch of full on. Now, I don't think churches should move in and make a big commitment to something in the hope they'll do something. I'm like, no, you move in because you're doing stuff and you want to see expansion and you want to see you know, blah, 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 blah. We're doing the stuff. We're doing so much stuff. But there's even more we could do with a great tool like this. And already we're doing marriage courses and budgeting courses and parenting courses and caring for the poor and doing food boxes and we've got a prayer thing going on. People are coming to faith and we've got worship and blah, blah, blah. But how much more could we do with this sort of space? And how much more visible could we be to the community? Because what you, again, what bugs me a little bit sometimes is churches that advertise to Christians. I want to market to the community. We're here to serve you. Your budget's struggling. We want to help you. Your family, your whānau feels a bit wobbly. Well, we've got some stuff that'll help you there. You've got, you're hungry. We want to help you with the food thing. We want, to, we want to serve you and support you. We aren't here to take over. We're here to come under. We're here to come and serve and bless and minister and bring healing to. Okay, so this is, so I just see this place. And Phil Tate, just two weeks ago, had a prophetic word. He says, I see this hub. I see a hub that you guys have, a building that's a hub. And, it's, and I'm like, that's, the, that's a great picture. Because Sundays are important. Don't get me wrong. It'd be great great to be able to have that. But I'm like, that's not why we do this. We do this for mission. We do this to bless. We do this to serve. And so here's where we're at financially in terms of what it could look like. The cost to lease something like this would be, it goes very quiet, would be about a hundred. <laughs> the cost, let's just go through this. Real, we're having, sorry if you're visiting. This is now a family meeting, okay? The cost to lease something like this would be a hundred K specifically this building, 100K a year with about 20K a year worth of operating costs, 120K a year. Now, our current giving, because uh, of both uh, a frugal uh, um, board and, and tank, like we, we're frugal church, plus a growing generosity in our church, hallelujah, isn't that great, is that we've now got about a $4,500 a month surplus in terms of our, uh, our budget, which is great. Uh, and with some other things that we could do, we could, we, we'd need about another $5,000 a month to, uh, to be able to lease this. Now, what does that look like? Well, we've got, again, this is so horrible, but we've got things called giving units. Because, because that, so giving unit could be a family, could be an individual, whatever. So we've got about 50 people that make up our church as regular giving, which is about right. Uh, and if every giving unit gave $25 extra a week, we would have the budget for it. Now, Beth is having a little Mia there with your phone here, right? <laughs> Just throwing it around. I'm excited too. Uh, so what you could do, Beth, is you could go to your BNZ. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and I put in brackets, it's actually costing you $17 because you get a third of it back anyway. Yeah. Right? So that's the, that's the thing. Right? But wait, there's more. Right? He's got the... Now, I freaked out when I saw all those numbers and stuff. And for some people who can't afford to butter your toast, you're like, that's insane. For some people that run businesses and stuff, you're like, oh, yeah. 
you know, it just all depends on your life experience and some of that stuff. But when we broke it down and we're like, oh, $25 extra a week would see us be able to afford a lease there. Now, that's on, av- that's on average, so some people can't afford to probably increase their giving, and so some other people might have to fill the gaps there or be a bit generous or whatever. But it's like, doesn't that seem achievable? Yeah. Doesn't that seem like, oh, man, that doesn't feel crazy out of reach if people were on average... And you know what? You actually only need 49 giving units to go up there because me and Jen decided that we would chip in a little extra last night. So you know what? <laughs> we're on our way. <laughs> now, there's no pressure. Again, I'm not saying this to pressure you. Uh, I don't know who gives what. That's not how we operate. Steve and our accountants, all that, they, they can sort that out. But I'm a pastor. I don't want to know. My views and opinions of you aren't going to change, and we're not going to have a green room for special givers. And it's just like <laughs> because because you know what? It's not about what you give; it's about the sacrifice of your heart. And for some people, again, I just I don't know this as a fact. I just know that some people will give a little bit, and man, God's looking at that, just going, "Whoa, that's sacrificial giving." And some people give what in the world looks like a lot, and it doesn't cost you that much, if you're really honest. You know what I mean? God looks at our heart. And so what we're calling our church to here isn't equal giving across $25. It's actually equal sacrifice. We're prepared to give ourselves because we believe that God's in this. Um, And so that's, so I don't know whether we do this or not, but in my spirit, I've been like, I think we need to start looking at this. And I'm just putting it before you. We haven't made decisions. We can't do that in wisdom right now with our givings at blah, blah, blah. But I'd hate for us to not have this sort of conversation and just normalize it and say this and miss out on what God wants to do in and through us. Yeah. Secondly, this isn't the first, uh, this isn't the last time I'm going to have this sort of conversation. Over however, however many decades, which I believe it's going to be, me and Jen are called to serve the bay. We're going to have many times a conversation. Guys, we've got comfortable. We're going to move forward in mission. We're going to, and sacrifice is the currency of the kingdom of God moving forward. That's what it looks like. Every time the kingdom advances, people were prepared to sacrifice and move out of a place of comfort into a place of faith. And that's where the kingdom of God breaks in and mission moves forward. Okay? So, uh, so that's one option. Another option is that some people may want to be like, you know what? I want to underwrite the lease for the first year or whatever, so whatever your giving gets to will make up the difference, whatever that may be, um, whatever. So that's, that, now we're in the building, we've got the lease, that's great, but then we've got to fit it out. Uh, that's currently inside the Repco building, um, and it's about 500 square metres, I'm, yeah, with kids' spaces and all the rest of it, I'm like, it's marginal, we'll see, I'm not sure, whatever. So then we had to like, well, how, what, how do you fit that out so that it could all work? Um, well, when it comes to the rest of the cost, I'm not sure. I wonder, I'm, this is total guess again. We've decided on the last couple of days to do this. So this is the Lord speaking very fresh. So we haven't done any napkin maths. Oh, maybe 150, 200K. I'm not sure what it would cost to fit out the whole thing. Uh, maybe less than that. Maybe we could stage it. Don't know. Okay, I don't know. This is other people's expertise. But how could we do it? Well, uh, firstly, I think it, wouldn't, it would be one of those projects where we rally around together and we do it as a church family. The good old-fashioned working bees and the tradies helping us out and the uh, people that have uh, would see the value of those sort of skills and could smash out some of the working bees for us would save us a whole lot of money. Um, for the rest of the cost, the, the church has some reserves. Again, we could tip in, uh, I don't know, 20, 30K perhaps. I'm not sure, again, the board and all that sort of side need to work on some of that stuff. We've got some reserves there. But it would actually be about the people in our church committed to a bigger vision, that of the kingdom. And, and people going, above my regular giving, I want to give to, uh, to the purposes of building his kingdom and turning church vision into a magnificent 
reality. And this, again, has been normal. Uh, me and Jen have sacrificially given to building projects in Wellington and Christchurch, and though I'm not a beneficiary, we're not the beneficiaries of the vision uh, anymore, I'm deeply grateful that's part of our legacy. Every church you go to, every Anglican church, Presbyterian church, Pentecostal church, someone went through this journey together. The Israelites went through this journey together. God was like, it's time for a temple. And you know what happened for the Israelites? Is they got so frothed on it, the leaders had to say, stop giving. Oh, imagine if that happened. Oh, imagine if that happened. My parents were at a church in Wanaka uh, just a couple of weeks ago, 40 to 50 people in them, and they believe that God's calling them to a $3 million project as a church community. Uh, mum was at the prayer meeting, uh, and I've been there praying just a couple of weeks ago, and mum had this word, it's going to come in installments. By the end of the day, a person had given $100,000, and his words were, here's the first installment. Uh, Jen was going to, I'm in trouble after the sermon, I don't care. Uh, Jen used to run a business uh, to support the work of Compassion Nepal. Uh, and it, it wasn't just um, the profits that went to the uh, work of Nepal, it was the income <laughs> that went to Nepal. There was no, like, she didn't pay herself a cent, every dollar went. Over the course of a couple of years, she gave $30,000 to the work of Nepal. Now, I'm saying gendered this because I wanted that for my home theatre. I imagined, I imagined all the things I could have done with that $30,000. So you are no, no who is the, who's the family, family stream of insane generosity? And she uh, did that. Um, in Christchurch, uh, I was involved in raising money for buildings there, and we raised over the time there over $5 million. I personally was leading uh, in the senior leadership team. For, I know this can happen. So I'm standing here with faith. If you don't have it, I'm fine. I've got faith for the fact that there are kingdom builders in the room today that God has blessed them with, and they're like, man, I'm tired of living. From, I, want, I want something that's bigger than me that I'm giving my life to that leaves a legacy. And, uh, and, and in Christchurch, we actually had a person who sold their home and gave it all to the church. First home. Sold, and like Dave, our senior pastor, rings him up and says, no, that's not, that's not happening. And the guy's like, I, des- I desperately want this to happen. No. It's not that we can't, can't receive this. It's too crazy. God's spoken to us. We feel like we should. Dave brings up their accountant who he knows, tell him he can't do this. The guy eventually says, how hard is it to give you money? We just believe that God's called us to do this. So eventually Dave's like, disclaimer, you know, you've got to agree to, you know, we're not. Yeah, no, they gave it. And it's like, what the heck? And then fast forward five, six years later, Dave was saying, mate, the guy, has everything he gave, they've recovered. Now, I'm not a health and wealth guy, and, that is, and again, sowing and reaping, we want sweeping, so we want to sow and reap. Five or six years is a long time, but God has blessed them. God has honored them. He's a heavenly father whom we can trust deeply. Is God who he says he is? And so I, I circle right back to the whole thing. I'm like, the question uh, isn't how much it's going to cost. The question is, God, are you calling us to this? That's the question. Are you calling us to this? And that's the thing we have to discern. We have to discern. And if that is the case, if that is the case, then we are going to sacrifice. We're going to choose to sacrifice together because that's how the kingdom advances. Supremely, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was the thing that broke the powers of sin and death and saw the kingdom of God rule and reign in the world today. And it's advancing powerfully to this day. It was not cheap for God to forgive us. It was costly grace. 
but he loved us so much, he was prepared to pay that out for us. And now in this moment of both division and self-centeredness, we're saying we're going to walk together in unity and a mission for the sake of others. That feels like God to me. That feels like God to me. So here's some pra- practical ways that you can help us uh, as we move forward over the next uh, little while. Firstly, can I invite you to be present? We're going to send a survey out the next couple of days uh, inviting you to, uh, over the next little days, to go, this is the gathering that I'm going to choose to attend so that we can get some rough idea between now and next Sunday, volunteers, blah, 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 right? And again, both of those services aren't about vaxxed or non-vaxxed. One's about being safe and one's about being relaxed and people a bit more chill and the rest of it. And whatever happens, we're going to shut the whole thing down if we think we need to, okay? So that's the vibe we're going for. So can, but can you be present? Can you lean in? Can you make this place hum? It's going to feel weird next week. And it did when we were in Christchurch and we had our first service, that was 9 and 11. That's got nothing to do with what's happening culturally. That's just the price we're praying to move forward in mission. It feels a bit weird for the first little while. But it won't feel that weird if you turn up and be a larrikin, lean in, catch up with some people. We're going to have the music going, coffee going. You choose to be present rather than away. You're going to be here over the next couple of Sundays as we get used to this new reality. Can you be present? That would help. Secondly, can you repent? <laughs> I didn't start with that one. I'm going to stick it in the middle. <laughs> There's been a bit of this going on, which I love. If your heart posture towards the bride of Christ, the church, his body, the body he gave himself for, has just been off, I just invite you to repent and to align your heart with God's heart. And this isn't between me and you. There's nothing to do with me. This is a private repentance between you and God that happens in the privacy of your own life and world. So some of us, This needs to happen, and it has, and I love it. Give. (laughs) Let me just say this. Uh, In following Jesus, we've got a vision of discipleship. That means that we are to become more generous in all areas of our lives as we go through our life, including our finances. To Jesus, money was seen as God's first, uh, seen as the first of all a, a gift that we receive. It's God's first that we receive as a gift to steward in all kinds of ways paying bills, buying what we need, saving and investing for the future, and being generous and sacrificial. Like that's Jesus' vision of money. It's a gift that we get to steward. And so if you've set up an automatic payment a while ago and it's quietly ticked along, I would like to ask you to review and to ask the question, is this still an amount that we would say practices generosity? Maybe during the last little while, God has been good to you and there's been a blessing. Uh, and so that would be great. And also, and, uh, in this time, I believe and trust that there are those who have the gift and position to be greatly generous right now. And we would ask that you consider this time to practice your generosity to give to the vision of a church facility that's an incredible blessing to the Bay. And so uh, if you want to increase your giving, just, there's no, but if you want to give specifically to the fit-out costs, and we just need, we're going to begin fundraising for that, if you can put the reference building so we know that that gets tagged to that, that would be really great. Uh, And a reminder, you get a third back at the end of the year. (laughs) All right. We haven't talked about money much in our church, um, and uh, we're going to talk about it, again, not out of just necessity, but as the Lord says, it's time. Jesus talked about this stuff, and hopefully you're beginning to trust me, where it's like, actually, I just want to preach in a way that sees people flourish, not control. Yes, it's been abused. I understand all the baggage that comes with it, but grace and peace. Lord, we just want to follow your way. And with the Spirit of the Lord is there's freedom. So I just, again, I lift off any heavy thing from your history or whatever it may be. There's, 
we're just putting before you what we think the Lord's calling us to. And then as a church, I'm putting down the wheel. Will you pick up the challenge? And we'll see what happens. Obviously, serve, that's an easy way. In fact, uh, we've got um, clipboards where you can sign up. Uh, we're like, yeah, um, again, as I said last week, 40% of our church don't serve in any team. We'd love to see that change a bit. We need that to change a bit as we move forward into the next couple of weeks and into the new year. So if you can sign in there, we particularly need help, of course, with kids, and we need help with pack-in and then pack-out. And then lastly, pray. We aren't going to be running BBC nights anymore, so that was a night service that we had started. We're going to be running, we're going to revert back to prayer meetings. Are we having worship tonight? No, you can say no. No, yes, okay. We are going to have live worship tonight at our BBC prayer. <laughs> he's, who? Oh, he's got the key. Okay, he's planned. Okay, so we're actually going to have worship there tonight. But now's the time for us to lean into prayer once more. So again, we're going to worship and we're going to pray and we're going to seek God. And for the remainder of the year, it's just like, it's intercession, it's prayer. So that's, we're going to go back to that. Um, so I would love you to see you tonight at our prayer meeting. But also, um, uh, right now, you're kind of forced into an involuntary position of discernment and prayer around what the Lord's saying for us as a community and whether this resonates in your spirit, even if it's a, like, a bit like crikey, how's this going to work? But it's, uh, I'm asking you to pray, Lord, is this you? Lord, if it is, Lord, what does it look like for me to play my part? And there'll be just a grace for it. And don't worry about how much or how little. It's just that there's a grace that, that comes, and there's a blessing that comes as the church walks forward in obedience. Okay, so that's, that's the end. Hallelujah. So we're moving to two services, and we believe at some point we're going to get a building. Hallelujah. It feels like God to me. And as I say, yeah, let's... I'm going to put that meme everywhere I can right now because I just feel like that's, and I just love this, is that I sense that there's a yes and amen here this morning, and I kind of like that this is what's happening in our church right now. It just like, it's classic what God, the enemy intends for harm, God works for good. And if we can come out with a fresh vision of what biblical unity looks like, and we're walking in that, and a fresh heart for mission, where it's not just about us, it's about living a life of blessing for others, wow, isn't that cool? <laughs> so we're moving into a season of unity, a season of faith and mission, a season of vision, of fresh vision for our church, a season of kingdom advancement because of the people uh, willing to walk into a season of mutual sacrifice for the things of God's kingdom, the things of God's heart. Amen. Let's stand together and pray. Now, even with the two services and all the rest of it, for some people, it'll be like, oh, I would so prefer to come to a nine, but because of whatever, I, it looks like I'm going to have to be 11. And I'm, it's like grace and peace. This is what we feel like is the best way to serve our church. And I wear that whole bunch of us are going to have to just be willing to compromise a little bit, pivot a little. You know what I mean? It's that fantail thing. It's like we're just, so I, I appreciate that it's not a perfect fit for everyone, but we just sense the Lord's in this. And we believe that this is a way of moving forward in unity together the best we possibly can at the moment. Uh, we've, of course, our home churches, uh, we've just left that totally up to our home church leaders around how they want to do it. So there'll be lots of a variety of different groups from super safe to more relaxed. And all this. So we're just, just trying to navigate it like this and honour each other. We're honouring each other. Honouring people that want it super safe. Honouring people for the autonomy and bodily choice. And we're honouring each other through this. Amen? Let's pray.